Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. <laughs> my my name is Brendan Bickley. <laughs> Goodbye. My name is Stephen Hill. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you. That was it. Today is going to be a very special episode because we haven't covered news in a while. Uh, for those who have listened to our show since the beginning, and for new listeners, you you may have both noticed that like we don't really cover news at all unless it's something that we're really excited about. Um, usually, the Nintendo directs uh, have have historically been what we cover, um, which is kind of just like us looking at a catalog of what we're gonna cover eventually. Basically, it's <laughs> us just kind of like. Yeah like hyping ourselves up and you know it's worth pointing out that nintendo uh has recently been kind of reconfiguring how they deliver this news so like historically uh for those unfamiliar they release these uh videos called nintendo directs where they basically just announce like what's coming out and and i think what separates nintendo from the other major video game publishers is the fact that they announce stuff that's coming out like real soon you know six months like tops and you know of course sometimes they have to delay it but like if it's in a nintendo direct it's coming out that year uh you know it's usually pretty pretty soon every every once in a while they'll they'll dip in with like a metroid prime 4 is now in development you know and like right right you know i i think not even withholding the fact that that game has been canceled and then uncanceled and delayed and shifting studios and things like that like the fact that it was in development was the thing they wanted to announce there you know breath of the wild 2 when that got announced like there was no inkling of when that game is gonna come out you know but like they just wanted to let people know that it existed but usually as you're saying uh, it, it means it's coming out soon. Yeah. So um, the last couple directs have been like them figuring out a new format. So there was like the mini direct. There was the Pokemon fiasco that we talked about. Uh, and like to defend Nintendo, honestly, both of those events announced cool stuff. It was delivered in a way that was confusing. Um, so yeah. I think a lot of people were kind of like I- I- ignoring the vitriol and like hate that Nintendo often summons inadvertently. People were rightfully kind of confused by the <laughs> by the delivery of news. Yeah. Um, yeah. All that to say, recently they did a indie direct that was like maybe one of the most exciting string of announcements recently. From I was them. blown the fuck yeah. away by this direct. I mean, Me too. It, like they've had indie directs before and they they've been exciting in the past, but this was literally just like banger after banger it was they were like okay 20 minutes of indie game announcements and i was like okay cool so they'll probably have like five like maybe interesting games in there and then it ended up being like maybe 10 to 15 really great games all presented you know for like one to two minutes each which was like a wild use of of that time. I mean, they they really crammed as much in as possible. I do want to circle back real quick. Um, yeah. So like w- one of the interesting things I think about Nintendo recently, um, you know, I- interesting for like kind of bummer reasons because of, you know, the global pandemic and all that kind of stuff. I, th- I think that Nintendo has been having a hard time working from home amidst what's been going on. You know, a lot of studios have talked pretty openly about like, hey, this is working great for us. Not working great, but like, you know, we're, we're able to continue being productive and like we're still going to hit our deadline and things like that and then other studios have said hey we're having a really hard time and nintendo hasn't really said anything but they have stopped doing regular directs and have started announcing things just on twitter which to me is an indication given how you know kind of wrapped in secrecy nintendo generally is and how tight all their ndas are um that kind of gives me an indication they're having a harder time i think than than most um because we have we have gotten many glimpses via leaks and things like that into what was supposed to be like a big e3 style nintendo direct that was supposed to happen earlier in the summer that just didn't you know, so like that's why we get things like uh, Paper Mario announced via a, a tweet at like six in the morning instead of like in a Nintendo <laughs> Direct. Um, yeah, that yeah. said, though, you know, it's been a couple months since all of this started and 
I'm hearing a lot of rumors recently about an upcoming Nintendo Direct as soon as this week, um, like Whoa, a, like a real no one. Way. So I'm I'm starting to wonder if like maybe they finally gotten their feet under them, you know, and like they're starting to kind of figure out this whole situation and and, and how to work uh, remotely. And and I wonder if uh, I wonder if that's going to end up being true. It it started off as like kind of goofy rumors, you know, just like people in forums on like uh, what is it Reset Era or whatever that that one website is. Forums like that just kind of like hinting at a date and nobody was really sure if that was like actually going to be a Nintendo Direct or not but now there's some like kind of more I think quote unquote well respected leakers saying that that's the date so there might be one this week uh, which would be really wild so it's possible that we could do this indie direct episode and then come back next week with like a real direct episode um, so <laughs> or just, a first party one at least yeah. yes exactly so uh, buckle your yeah. seatbelt for that in case that happens because I'm sure we'll talk about it um, but this is yeah. this to me is just as exciting because like if, if I had to if I had to sh- like say where my heart of hearts is at Kingdom Hearts style with like <laughs> video games it would be with Nintendo and with the indie scene and yeah. like I think one of the best things about the Switch is, is their like real Really un unparalleled support of of the indie scene overall. Like a lot of games that would probably normally just come out on Steam are also coming out on Switch as well. Yeah. We see that with stuff like Hollow Knight, where like there are even a handful. I think the term is Nindies, which you know whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just cool to see Nintendo taking a lot of indie developers kind of under their wing in a way that they haven't done as much in the past. Uh, so yeah, this totally. is a really cool. This is a really cool series of announcements. So do you want to get into it? Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd really love to. Um, just to just to touch on that point one more time before we go in, the the Switch is the is the Vita two, and that brings. Me be nothing but joy <laughs> you know i'm like dangerously close to one day getting a vita or a psp based on like maybe four games in total that like i want to play but can't yeah you ju- just get a vita man just do it it's so Is it backwards good. compatible with psp I-, I don't think so that's a sentence i don't think i just felt like the <laughs> cosmic impact no one has asked that i think ever <laughs> I am the only person to ask in 2020. Yeah, at least, I was just about to say. Vita I'm sure nobody's <laughs> asked it in the past decade, at least. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would love to play Persona 4 Golden on Vita, and like, yeah, it rules. I, I don't know. I know that came out on Steam recently, which is awesome. But I don't know when that's going to ever come to Switch, if ever. You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, Sega so and Atlas recently it. were like, "Yeah, we released Persona 4 Golden on Steam, and it did great. We're so surprised. I guess we'll start making some some more stuff, you know, yeah. and, and start porting some more stuff." It's like, dude, <laughs> how <laughs> how is it taking this long <laughs> for for that idea to like finally sink in? It's why I mean, the the big goof about Atlas is that every couple months they send out like a user survey that's like, "Would you like to see Persona 5 on the Nintendo Switch?" and then Pretty much yeah. everyone on the internet shares that user survey around so they can flood flood Atlas with responses to it. And it, it's wild that they do it once and like suddenly it works out and they're like, oh, shit, maybe we should actually do this. There are entire social media accounts dedicated to just like asking for Persona 3 on a system. Yeah. You know, like, it's like <laughs> people dedicated their lives. They're like, I wonder if this is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But uh, but yeah, maybe one day I'll, I'll invest in a Vita or something like that. Anyway. Uh, Nindy announcements, Nindy right, 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 right. showcase. Yeah, so uh, th- th- this was an Indie Direct. Uh, it happened on what the 18th 
of August. So just uh, for those of you who didn't watch it, uh, that's what's going on. Yeah, let's just run down the stuff. It opened with, I think, the a thing that immediately made me type in all caps in our group chat with AJ, uh, which is that Supergiant Games showed up and they announced that Hades is coming to Nintendo Switch this fall. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hades being uh, their kind of like narrative roguelike beat em up kind of game. Um, if, if I had... So artistically, it looks very similar to a lot of uh, Supergiant stuff. I would say it's kind of like imagine um, like a, a Greek god version of Transistor, uh, you know, so less less techno cyberpunk future and more uh, just mythology and stuff, but still has that kind of like isometric, like cartoony vibe. But also on top of that, it has like a hyperlight drifter adjacent combat system. It looks like, um, you know, I don't, I don't know too much about it outside of I want it <laughs> like really bad and I want to play it. Uh, and that's all by design. I have purposely like not watched gameplay videos of it really uh, or look too far into it just because I've heard it's great and it's a roguelike and it's by a super giant and that's really all I need. Yeah, uh, to to just kind of like dive into it without without really knowing a whole lot. Super Giant are, are one of my favorite teams, and like they they definitely have like that that authorship vibe with like I don't know the the lead artist or lead artists names, but I know Darren Korb is always the musician, and like the soundtracks are always incredible. Uh, this is a game that I that has been in early access for for a while on Steam, and everyone who has played it has this, this is a game that I have been DM'd about pretty constantly. Yeah, like. Everyone in my life who has played it is like, Steven, you have to check this out. This is so for you. Yeah. And I have a very strong feeling it's going to be like our game of the year once we play it. Like I, just, <laughs> I saw that in the clouds. It's also worth noting, too, that... that it coming to Switch in, uh, I think they just said the fall. So, you know, take that for what you will. Q4, uh, if you're corporate. Um, but <laughs> Hades coming to Switch is also the game becoming the, the full version. So it's no longer an early access. Right. It's the full release. So I imagine it will come to other consoles as well. But I'm so, because I wanted it to be on Switch and I'm so happy it is. So I cannot wait. That is that is one of my most excited uh, games coming out this year. Yeah, so Yeah, I'm I'm over the moon about it. I yeah. can't wait to get my hands on it. I it's, it's, thrilling wild wild year for roguelikes in general right like hades is coming to switch spelunky 2 is coming to ps4 uh next month um Ro- like, i keep forgetting that yeah yeah Ro- rogue legacy 2 is in early access right now which is like thrilling for me although i don't have a system or a computer that can run it at the moment um but from what i've heard about it it seems really really interesting so yeah i don't know just very exciting if you're a fan of roguelikes at the moment uh should we yeah. move on yeah absolutely I, i'll just add um we, we talked about this a little bit in our bonus episode that i think is coming out soon it probably won't be out before this episode but um we talked about like the idea of adding a narrative to the mechanics of roguelikes which you said with hades yeah. and I know for a fact that in the plot, you play as the son of Hades, the god of the underworld. And whenever you die, you go back to the underworld and like that's how the narrative progresses. So right. it's like, I think that's a really brilliant way to do it. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I just wanted to add that because you know, that's like kind of what separates it, I think. Yeah. So I'm, I'm amped about it. The next game is by a new developer uh, called Nodding Head Games, and, and the game is called Raji, an ancient epic, which seems to be kind of like a beat-em-up style game that takes place in like ancient Indian mythology specifically, which looked just beautiful. Uh, I, I'm like 
thrilled by this game. I think it's amazing. Um, I mean, I, I've seen many articles on the internet talking about how like thrilling it was just from like a representation standpoint to see this game yeah, uh, absolutely. exist at all. And like not only that, but like look great. I, I'm waiting for some reviews of it to come out, but I think I'll probably check it out regardless because I, I was just like really blown away by this game's art direction. Um, it looks so, so pretty. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, that Sorry, it's worth noting Raji was the first of like many games in this uh, event that were announced to come out that day, yeah. uh, which is wild. A lot of these games were either that day or August 27th for some reason. <laughs> and that's why I said like they announced that that's coming out. But uh, yeah, it's never been this like this is out today. Yeah, uh, it took a lot of, of self-control to not impulse by pretty much everything. Yeah, like, same here. Th- yeah. Like just spoiler alert. I'm into everything that was announced. Um, <laughs> we did end up we both ended up getting one of the games announced and we'll talk about that in the in the latter half of this episode but yeah raji is definitely definitely on my list and I, i'm excited to to hear more about it but it looks beautiful and like you said i think it's a cool enough thing to support outright even if they don't nail it you yeah, know like yeah. to see more representation both like in the setting of the game and by the team who made it you know like that's yeah. that's really great yeah totally so. agree yeah i'm i'm really excited to get my hands on this eventually i just need to finish the other things that i bought from this direct yeah. we've got a backlog that's that's sinful so yeah one day raji yeah. Don't yeah. worry. Um, so I actually don't know if this is in order in the order of the announcements, um, but also a little, little. Yeah, they they announced um, an update for Untitled Goose Game that's coming soon. Yeah, uh, Geese that- Game. Yeah, Untitled Geese game, yeah. Uh, that adds two-player mode. So there's a second goose, um, which I imagine will completely change the way you play that game, or at least make it significantly easier, if I had to guess, but is is just as thrilling. I don't know, maybe maybe they've changed a lot of the objectives around to like accommodate having two people in there, but I don't know. It's it's Untitled Goose game, it's great, it's silly, we've talked about it before, uh, and, and now you can play it with somebody else on the couch, which is That's awesome. That's so fun, yeah. It, it's sort of like, um, like I, I liked Goose game a lot, but I kind of like did the critical path and, and moved on which is kind of how you're supposed to play it but this this changes the lens in which like it's just a fun sandbox for you and whoever to play yeah. and this is i think a great game like for any 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 two people to play i, I can see it being a great game like for a family great game for like a couple or, or friend whoever yeah it's it's a great experience so yeah. i'm excited to see that really great so um i don't know when that's coming but it, it sure is coming soon oh uh, september 23rd sorry uh that, that's coming september 23rd so oh, if you haven't go. played untitled goose game yet like great time to download it and check it out uh, is when that update yeah. drops so you can play with somebody else. Up next, at least on the list that I'm reading currently from NintendoLife.com is <gasps> uh, A Short Hike. Oh, yeah. Got released on favorites. Nintendo Switch. Um, has a couple updates from what I understand. Um, I've seen one confirmed update on the Nintendo Switch version, which I think also went live to uh, people who purchased it previously on other platforms. Um, but it's out on Nintendo Switch right now. I mean, I talked a lot about this game during the Game of the Year episode last year. Yeah, and how much I loved both it. of our lists. Yeah, yeah, you and I talked about it in an episode when we first played it, I think last summer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it was right after Three Houses, because I remember I did a narration that was in the style. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, right. you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a good bit. Anyway, um, yeah, you. a short hike 
like for real, I think one of the most interesting and exciting indie games I've played in a long time. Um, yeah. It's one that I will like stand on the mountaintop and champion uh, until my dying day. It's um, I mean, there are so many great things to say about it. If you're a new listener and you haven't heard us like wax poetic about a short hike, like the, the short pitch essentially is uh, you're a young bird and her name is Claire and she has to climb to the top of a mountain, I think, to get cell phone service um, so she can make a phone call. Uh, and that's kind of the like long and short of the narrative, I guess, or, the, or your reasoning for doing the things that you do in the game. But it really is about just exploring this island that you're camping on, talking to everybody who's there, just kind of like bopping around and interacting with the world in interesting ways. It feels like a, a two to three hour version of Breath of the Wild in a way. Um, yeah, like it it's very microcosmic. Yeah, uh, it's a term we kept using where like it is capturing the thrill of having a critical path that is optional and rewarding whatever you want to invest in the world. So you will not feel robbed if you stick to the path uh, and you will feel only more enlightened if you explore everything else. Um, it's great. And the music is incredible the soundtrack's on spotify check it out it's so good yeah um, i'm glad to see there's been a recent wave of people like both praising the game and saying they just checked it out and praising the game on, on online on twitter especially yeah it's just cool to see yeah i'm i'm over the moon about more people playing this game i i think it's one of those things you and i talked a lot about this in, in our first episode about it i think but i i think this is the kind of game that a lot of developers will play and take huge inspiration from um, oh yeah because it is it is such a small experience i mean it is a short hike like very literally um but there are so many small mechanical just like genius choices that were made here i mean one of, one of the biggest ones that i constantly think about is the fact that like you're making your way up this mountain technically but there is a specific mechanic that you have to start getting involved with to unlock like almost an entire what uh, you realize very quickly that you've only explored about a third of the island and that unlocking this new mechanic will allow you to explore the second third and then there's more to do before you unlock the third third and make it to the top and that that natural flow from one third to the next i think is like just brilliant because it doesn't feel like it's happening it's only upon reflection that you have this like kind of brain blast moment that the game is is like opening itself up you know to you um i i, I think it's an incredible thing also just visually it looks like a nintendo ds game and that's the best it looks it looks like animal crossing wild world and that's awesome yeah it's weirdly retro for that specific era because we see a lot of like emulation of like the snes era or, or game boy or, or pixel art but like this is the first time i've seen like 2007 nostalgia uh, yeah it's great yeah it's really really good um and i think it's i mean again not to not to be all about price but it's really cheap uh so yeah pick it up and have a good time with it, it it's i would say anywhere between like two to four hours depending on how much time you spend with it um and now that they added new stuff i don't know maybe there's even more there i took as long as possible to play it because i loved it so much i didn't want it to end uh, and i explored everything literally everything the island had to offer before i put it down yeah so yeah get it i mean i can't recommend it enough it's incredible you'll you'll think back very fondly on it the way that steven and i are currently yeah totally there i'm glad that there are some games that we can just champion like because there are games we love we might be like have a caveat of like you have to like you know cilantro and eating sand <laughs> to enjoy this game this is just like you're gonna like it no matter where you're coming from yeah. with it. Uh, it's great. Cool. Moving on. Uh, what's yeah, the next game on the list? 
Uh, next on the list is Torchlight 3, which is like mm. the, maybe one of the only games I'm iffy on from this announcement um, or from this from this direct. So the Torchlight series, just to like give you a quick refresher, uh, it's a bunch of people who worked on the Diablo games who left to start their own developer or their, their own studio and created Torchlight 1, which was kind of like, uh, what if Diablo, but not demonic and not like... I think like depraved from an art direction standpoint and just like kind of like bubbly and fun and like fantasy adjacent, which was uh, great for me, somebody who doesn't like being in the world of Diablo very much. Torchlight 2 came out was like just a huge marked improvement over the first one uh, in pretty much every way. It was great. It had online multiplayer. It was like such a good time. I love Torchlight 2. I put so much time into it. I have it on Switch also, and I have not really played it a whole lot, but I do have it just in case I want to dip back in at some point. Torchlight 3 has had kind of like a rocky development cycle so far. Um, from what I've heard, I think it's in early access, maybe on PC, and like people didn't really enjoy it very much. Um, I think it's supposed to be free to play also and not like a fully paid thing. There's like a, there's a lot going on here and a lot of the messaging has been kind of like, I think, muddy. Um, so I, I currently am taking like, a, I'm going to wait for this to come out on switch and see what people say about it stance. Yeah. Um, I am predisposed to love it cause I love the second torchlight to death. Um, and, and I really would love to love torchlight three, but at the, at the moment I'm being a little bit hesitant about it. Yeah, I get that as someone who enjoyed, I actually really enjoyed Diablo three on switch, but I, I'm not like super beholden to that franchise anyway. So I'm definitely open to checking out torchlight. Yeah. I like you share uh, a preference for a, a noble, bright fantasy setting over a grim, dark edgelord reality. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely be open to checking it out as well. Yeah, so that's Torchlight Three. Um, I I forget when it's coming. Oh, it says this fall. It's coming this fall. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, it's possible that we might never bring it up again on this podcast, but it's possible that we might talk about <laughs> it a lot on this podcast. Oops, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. Next up is a game that's called uh, Takeshi and Hiroshi, uh, which oh yeah, this is in the like the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer claymation style. Yeah, it's it's a game yeah. that is uh, kind of twofold from an art direction standpoint. On one hand, it has like a kind of claymation vibe to it, and you play as like an aspiring game designer who is making a game for his little brother, um, and you have to. Uh, kind of like build the game in this claymation world and then play test the game in like an actual kind of like video gamey looking art yeah. style. And uh, it looks like it has a very sad story that's wrapped up in all of that. Um, I don't really know a lot about it, but I know it's out today and I haven't seen a lot of conversation about it. So I'm I'm interested to see if um, it starts getting some write ups and, and I can kind of gauge whether that's a, a thing I should dip into or not. I mean, I'm wildly intrigued by the concept and the, and the visuals um I, I just need like a little bit more of a push but that was another one of the like it's out today games yeah i mean i respect anything that pursues stop motion because like there's no type yeah. of animation more thankless than that yeah but it looks it looks really cool and i think that could really potentially be a game you and i really love but yeah i need i need a little push as well because like after finishing last of us 2 i have like very little space in my life for a sad story right now yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> uh, but you know, that's perhaps unfair to this game. I should I should do more research. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, another game that I'm like so, so excited to finally be able to play uh, that's coming out on August 27th uh, is Hypnospace Outlaw, which is um, like a 1990s kind of um, 
I, I don't know. It's it's you are essentially on like an Internet Explorer kind of thing, oh, yeah. and you are like bouncing through GeoCities pages to try and solve a crime. And and everything I've heard about this game has been just like high high praise. It's apparently hilarious. It's apparently super fucking weird, and just like a great recreation of that era of being online in the internet. And it's coming out on Switch. Uh, they just announced you can plug. Uh, a keyboard and mouse into your Switch's USB ports if you want to um, and, and play it with a keyboard and mouse which is hilarious. Uh, I am I am over the moon that this is coming out on Switch and that I'll be able to play it. Um, I believe it's also coming out to Game Pass on the 27th as well um, if you're a person with Game Pass. Uh, but yeah, Hi- Hypnospace Outlaw is a game that I've been like dying to play for a long time just like didn't have the means to be able to do so. Uh, so this is really, really exciting. Yeah. I'm looking at a Google like gallery of, of images of it. It looks Looks like like your trash bin for episode art and i mean that as a compliment like, like this <laughs> yeah. looks like all the like should we do this now this is too much but this is great this looks so funny there's there's a there's an image here of a like you know microsoft word art year 2000 and fire and fire it says, are you prepared this is not a joke the year 2000 meltdown is coming and you need to make sure your loved ones are safe <laughs> but not for the reasons they tell you on tv uh, <laughs> so good yeah, yeah. this is very emblematic of like, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, like uh, internet days. So good. I yeah. love it. I it, definitely will check this out for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited about it. Um, This is a situation where if it's on our top 10 for Goaty, it'll be like a Hollow Knight situation because it came out last year and is on all platforms this year. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it will make that list, but I'm just preparing you mentally for uh, that <laughs> conversation if it's going to happen. We, we, uh, just to involve the listener, we've had conversations about like, okay, what counts? And we're kind of like, if you can make a case for it, it can count you know if it came to console and and found an audience later kind of like hollow knight or if there's like a definitive edition like dragon quest or like uh mario kart deluxe like that's something that came out this year and had had a meaningful release whereas like i would not count final fantasy 7 coming to switch in 2018 as a 2018 <laughs> game right so you know we'll we'll navigate that but th- we will avoid the the drama and fiasco and tragedy of the 2018 game of the year episode where you had to convince me hollow Knight counted so we are on the same page now yes i'm excited for goatee i mean not not to i guess promote that episode months in advance but i i keep i've been going back and like restructuring my list over and over and over again and i think i think you're going to be very surprised at my list as it yeah i feel the same way i mean i i we're in a really exciting point of the year because almost september Enough of the year has passed that like all the sort of big forecasted AAA announcements have been released. So now it's like, what else does this year have to offer? And like already in the last few weeks, I mean, even just from this direct, there's so many things that were just kind of manifested out of nowhere that I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much to experience. Yeah, still. I, I yeah, I think there's a lot coming still you know i yeah you and i had a conversation i think off the show maybe it was on the show but i think it was off the show where i think you and i given the pandemic and things like that we kind of thought that this year was uh pretty slow in terms of releases and then you look at the actual list of contenders that we've already written down and i have like 20 to 30 games on this list of like things yeah. that could be considered for goatee and and my first pass at making a top 10 has 15 games on it you know so yeah. like I'll say this too, like, and I mean this is an exciting way, like, this time last year and the year before, it was no surprise what my game of the year was going to be, like, like, and that was subjective, obviously, it wasn't to say, like, that was the best game that year, but, like, Three Houses hit me so hard on a personal level that I'm like, they're... 
I'm confident that no game is going to top this, and and I was right. Yeah. Same with Celeste in 2018. So far this year, I've had a lot. I mean, as evidenced by our our episodes, like there have been a lot of games that you and I have felt very passionately about, and games that we feel that way about that we have yet to talk about. So like, there's a lot of stuff. I have I have a much harder time saying this is my number one. You know, yeah, because it, it's it's so it's so varied. You yeah. know, it's hard to even categorize. So I'm excited too. It's going to be a great episode. Yeah. Um, you're um, gonna like it dear listener it's yeah. gonna be I, fun i i think i mean just looking at my list currently i think there are some games that haven't been announced yet that will make it up there i think some of the games that we're talking about currently in this segment will make it up there yeah. like yeah i i think um by the end of this year we're gonna look back and be really surprised um at at what 2020's releases ended up like considering the world you know yeah absolutely anyway should i talk about the next game on here yeah, that was cool, though. I'm excited <laughs> for the future. From uh, developer Nereal and uh, publisher Devolver Digital comes a game called Card Shark, uh, which is about a dude in 18th century France uh, who is essentially just going around to poker games in France in high society and is cheating at all of the games. Uh, and the whole thing is how do you not get caught cheating at poker? Um, and if you do, I think you get killed or something um and the game is about like climbing high society via these poker games where you're constantly trying to cheat um it looks amazing visually i don't know how it plays at all um it's not coming out until next year so i i think it's going to be a while before we kind of get a better idea of of how this game works but um yeah it looks so wild in like every regard that i'm just kind of excited to hear more about it i don't know if it's going to be like an instant purchase for me but i'm just excited to hear more about it i think it'll be really cool yeah canonically in the same fictional universe as uh clubhouse games just wanted to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah it's the prequel to clubhouse games yeah yeah <laughs> it's sort of a drake and guard three scenario uh-huh yeah <laughs> um anyway <laughs> you'll know what that means once the bonus comes out yeah um anyway uh what was the next game yeah next game uh is another one that i really wanted to play i think from last year if i'm not mistaken but it might have been earlier this year uh manifold garden which is a uh puzzle game that takes place in kind of like um an almost mc escher style world uh that is like completely surrealist kind of like voxel based oh yeah weird like sketch nightmare in a way um <laughs> it looks it's beautiful yeah, yeah visually it looks just like shocking you know it looks like one of those games that like just shouldn't exist can't exist i don't know how it works and uh that's another one that came out on switch i think this week or maybe is gonna be august 27th but either way it's like soon if it's not out already it uh, almost reminds me a little bit of islands non-places which was one of the games we covered from the itch bundle yeah where, like yeah there's a focus on this sort of like surreal, but very architectural vibe, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like totally. it's very geometric. Very cool. Yeah, it looks like great. That. It looks like the kind of game that I would like a lot. I don't know if I yeah. have it in me to like spend a lot of time banging my head against a, a puzzle game at the moment, considering how deep our backlogs are at the moment. Um, yeah, so I, I probably won't be picking it up like soon, uh, but it is a game I do want to check out eventually. Yeah. Um, we got nothing but time yeah. in the Aether. Uh, it's, yeah, it's like the hyperbolic time chamber, but for video games. Yeah. Uh, up next is... <laughs> Everything goes back to DBZ. Always. Yeah. Uh, up next is uh, Subnautica and Subnautica Below Zero. Yeah. Which is the sequel to that game. Um, these are games that a lot of people really uh, talk about highly. Um, I've heard a lot about them. I don't really know a whole lot about them. I think they're like horror mysteries that are kind of in the in the realm of like a No Man's Sky from a kind of um, gameplay perspective, if I'm not mistaken. It seems like you kind of like walk around these worlds and then 
dive under the ocean and discover some stuff about the world that you're on. There's some like survival, like Minecraft stuff too going on, I think. Yeah. I'm also not super familiar, but I've heard good things. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it. I, hey, if d- dear listener, if you think based on what you know about Steven and I, these are games that we should check out, then I guess let us know. Um, at the moment, I'm not like chomping at the bit to check this game out, but I've heard a lot of good things and I, I saw a lot of people share uh, their, their excitement that it's coming to Switch. Um, so yeah, it's uh, 2021. I think they both come out. Now that is nautical. That is nautical. Actually, it's not really. It's just underwater. Anyway, that's nautical. Underwater is <laughs> as nautical as <laughs> not enough above water. Not not as not as nautical as the game we're going to talk about later. I'll say that. That's true. Uh, up next, Garden Story is a game where you play as I think a grape um, who. <laughs> Uh-huh. runs around like a cute village and uh it, it looks like it has kind of a stardew valley vibe but more focus on combat if i'm not mistaken yeah. um yeah. but seems it, it to seems way. to be a situation uh in which actually just reading the reading the uh tagline from the developer here uh traverse a vibrant island to combat invasive rot cultivate fruity friendship friendships uh gather precious resources restore buildings and rebuild your home yeah so it it seems like it has kind of like a um stardew valley meets maybe bastion vibe in a way yeah um which uh looks cute and good and i'm i'm into me too yeah that's coming 2021 i would like to hear more about it that was one that like if it was coming out that day i probably also would have purchased yeah um but you know uh mercifully it's coming out next year (laughs) so (laughs) yeah wild to say that one of the most exciting bullet points there is that it's coming out not now um <laughs> <laughs> give me a break yeah uh up next evergate um which is kind of like a 2d side-scrolling puzzle game that a lot of people thought was uh ori in the will of the wisp uh as soon as it started um it has kind of like an ori meets hollow knight vibe to it uh just yeah, visually yeah. It is out today, or it came out that day. Uh, it has some like really wild traversal mechanics. It looks like uh, kind of like a puzzle platformer. Does not have, I think, a Metroidvania vibe to it in the way that a, a Hollow Knight or uh, an Ori game does. Um, I think it's more level based. I haven't heard a lot about this game, but it looks really beautiful and uh, is set in the afterlife, which is a weird theme recently. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, more about this. Definitely. Yeah. Un- unfair to the game. I immediately thought it was Silk Song because that's what I was entering this direct like wanting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, we, we didn't get it and it's fine. And this looks this looks cool. I, it's uh, it's unfair to the game. Google made it for me to be like, it's not what I thought it was. Um, yeah, I agree. But I'm definitely open to checking it out. I just need to know a little more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- this is on my list of games that I just like need to see more about before I dive into them. Um, just yeah. the fact that they all came out at the same time, you know, it was like, OK, now I have to make some decisions, which I was actually going to talk about later, but maybe I'll just talk about now. I, I do wonder if Nintendo told all of these developers like, hey, so your game can come out today. Like, that's going to be a big, exciting announcement. Do you think that Nintendo also told them we also made that deal with like four to five other games? Um, <laughs> yeah, because it kind of I diminishes wonder. the the impact of your game coming out that day, like if you've been saving it up for for that moment i, I do wonder because like one of at least one of those games is going to suffer you know because one of the games that comes out today is going to be the one that everybody buys and then you know maybe there's a second one and like maybe maybe there's a third one but if five games come out on the same day like i don't, I don't think they're all going to get equal footing you know from a purchasing standpoint um yeah and that 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 was the one thing that kind of gave me pause about their like constant out today announcements um the ones that are coming out august 27th which for some reason there's also a lot coming out next week 
um, <laughs> was like, oh, thank God. So I have like a week to play the new version of a short hike, you know, before I have to pick something else up. Um, right. And that's a good point. Yeah. You want to like you don't want to have it be too crowded. Yeah. Um, I mean, because even in discussion about it, we're like, oh, these are the ones we got right away. We couldn't get them all. Right. You know, it's going to cause that decision. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, just from like a press standpoint, some of them got sent out to press in advance, you know, so like there were yeah. there were reviews for some of these games at launch and there weren't reviews for some of these games at launch. And I think that's going to hurt the ones that didn't get the reviews, you know, so like Raji and Evergate are both games I'm really interested in checking out, but I just need to see more about them. Um, but before yeah. I do, um, so we'll see the uh, last game from like the actual focus, which I just want to mention, like in this 20 minutes, a lot of it was split up between like, here's this game uh, and then they move on to the next game. And some of them were here's this game. And then we talked to the developers a little bit about what which goes into awesome. the game, which I, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed that, honestly. And that's what actually sold me more on Evergate because the people who made it seemed so excited about it. You know, yeah, like, it totally. wasn't, it, like I think there is a version of that launch where they just show you Ori Hollow Knight vibe and you're like, this looks a little derivative. But like just seeing the passion that was there, I was more sold, you know, yeah, like, totally agree. and that's a common enough thing. I don't think it's derivative inherently, but, you know, you only have like a gut instinct to like decide whether or not you're going to get this game. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a challenging presentation. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the last game uh, that I wanted to bring up, at least the last game that they like kind of had a big focus on before they did like the classic, like here's a montage of other stuff that's coming out um, yeah. is uh, I think maybe one of my most anticipated games now on the switch outside of Hades, which is Bear and Breakfast. Yes, <laughs> which is oh hell yeah, a game about a bear who owns a B and B, um, and apparently it's kind of like a chill management game where you just kind of like go out and uh, gather resources to make your B and B better. It also has like an undercurrent of horror too, not in like a serious way, <laughs> yeah. but like in a uh, in kind of like an almost esoteric way. Yeah. Um, it kind of almost reminds me of Don't Starve in presentation. Yeah, where it has I was, that, I was like, just about to bring up Don't Starve. I, th- I was going to say, yeah. I think that's where you're getting your horror vibes from is like it, it has a kind of Don't Starve vibe to it. Yeah, like like, like horror in an invader Zim way where it's just sort of like weirdly melodramatic at points because they're like, they're like, watch out for nature and it shows like an evil deer. Um <laughs> But yeah, this, this is like, I think, uh, filling the same spot that Untitled Goose Game did last year, where there's just a game that's just a bizarre enough concept that you immediately have to check it out. Yeah. And and this is that, you know, and, and it looks, I mean, they love the art style. I think, I think it really just depends on if they can like sell you on it mechanically, because the idea is there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very excited for that. Yeah, hey, just a great that, name. When does that come out? That's that's going to be 2021, and that's launching on Switch okay. as an exclusive uh, for, I think, uh, the first like six to eight months or something. Bear for Smash Brothers, maybe? <laughs> I don't know what that voice was. Oh, my God. If they announce a new character for Smash in that direct, if that's a thing that happens, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine opening up Smash Brothers again. I can't believe there are five characters that have yet to be announced. I know. Think about that. Because everyone who is like, it really is like Goku levels of madness at this point. Because yeah. everyone who like likely would be in Smash is already in Smash, other than Waluigi, sadly. Yeah. But like, so now it's just anything goes. There, there are five more spots, you know? Amazing. <laughs> unbelievable um yeah so uh after bear and breakfast there was kind of a kind of like a montage of a couple more games um i don't really know a lot about a whole lot of them uh with the exception of one interesting one which is grindstone which was an apple arcade exclusive uh which is now coming out on switch which i think is really interesting this like switch as a second home for apple arcade games we had sign our wild hearts oh shit there's another one that i'm forgetting at the moment but uh and now and now grindstone oh what the golf what the golf is the other one that's on switch now oh perfect 
I, I uh, another recommendation, Grindstone. I think it wasn't on our list, but like it was in. It was definitely an honorable mention, and like yeah, is many is very much one of the stars of Apple Arcade. Uh, if you don't have a uh, Grindstone, it, it's great, and the music is great. So having it on Switch with like a bigger sound system than your phone, I think is probably worth experiencing. Yeah, uh, it's Gr- a great puzzle game. Grindstone is just incredible. I I can't recommend highly enough. I don't know when that comes out on Switch, but definitely pick it up if you do. Yeah. Totally. Uh, or if you can, uh, and you're interested at all. Cool. And that wraps up that direct, uh, with the exception of one game, which we're going to talk about uh, in the next segment, um, which yeah. I don't know why we're, we were hiding it and not talking about it because it's in the <laughs> title of the episode that the people downloaded. Uh, it's Spirit Fair. Spirit Fair is it's the next Spirit game Fair, yeah. that we're talking about. Uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, we both got it. We both been playing it. We both really like it. And yeah. that was one that in this presentation, like this was immediately captivating. And this is actually a game. I don't know if you remember, but there was like a split second of this game shown at E3 in 2019. Yes, I do remember. And I remember you said, you said, there's a game where you hug a deer and it looks nice. I know nothing about it, but it looks beautiful. <laughs> and that's that's what this game is. Yes. Um, and and weirdly, I, I impulse bought it. I, I thought that I'm like, this looks so beautiful. Um, and I and I want to go in not knowing what it is. Yeah. It is very different than I thought it was going to be in a good way. And we'll discuss what that means. Me too, in, in a very big half. way. Um, yeah. I, I, I do yeah. want to mention real quick, it's one of the ones that got like, uh, announced and then released uh, immediately. Um, it's by Thunder Lotus Games, who made uh, Sundered, which I haven't played and I don't really know a lot about. Uh, but they also made another game that's available on Switch right now that's called Jotun, um, which is a game that I have had many people recommend to me on Switch. Um, and I could see myself checking out eventually. It, it seems fascinating and really good so cool just want to give a shout out to thunder lotus for having that other game that a lot of people tell me is great but their newest game spirit fair is one that we will talk about after the break see you soon goodbye do you like, don't worry do you like my, that game is nautical oh, sorry go ahead no i was, I was just gonna ask if, if you like my new uh more radio friendly breaks yeah i do it's good it's better than goodbye. <laughs> See you the fuck later. It's better than an oblivion NPC going like so long. <laughs> and then getting um, crushed by spikes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, see you soon. Goodbye. Uh, hey, Steven, quickly in the break, I wanted to mention that uh, yesterday, as of our recording currently, uh, DC did their day long fandom event where they announced all of their movies, all of their comics, all of their video games, and I think all of their tv shows um you know for the next year or whatever or just like all the stuff that they're working on they announced a bunch of things including matt reeves the batman film starring robert pattinson which holy shit i i don't know how much i've talked about this on the show i'm a huge batman fan i mean probably for obvious I reasons that. i haven't talked about it a lot publicly <laughs> but um i'm a huge I batman can, fan i can feel walt's eyes opening in the tank <laughs> <laughs> i uh i i just i love i love that character i i think he's fascinating i think you know tons of people have done different takes on that character to great effect and have kind of like interrogated everything that's good and bad about about bruce wayne i think and have we've come out the other end like having 58 different versions of the guy all of which are like valid and interesting and wild and some of which are invalid and terrible but you know that's kind of the the beauty of letting all of these people speaking of that like real i know you have you want to get to the to the to the other announcements but just in terms of like the other batman can i share something about my dad and batman <laughs> please sure my dad is in, it, it insists that the only canonical batman is the adam west batman like he refuses to that's acknowledge hilarious. anything else which i think is really great and he'll like quote that tv show and be like that was that was batman to me i'm like 
You're not wrong. And yeah. I think I kind of share that affinity for Adam West's style yeah. of it. That but. was a great show. I mean, that, yeah. that like, honestly, that is one really valid and interesting take on the Bruce Wayne character is like, yeah, he's goofy as fuck. He dresses up yeah. like a bat and beats, beats up other people dressed as other animals. Like, that's so goofy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, Matt Reeves, great director, uh, did mm-hmm. the, the two good movies from the planet of the apes trilogy that came out recently if you haven't watched those like absolutely watch them the james franco one in the beginning is like really not that good unfortunately but the two that matt reeves directed are like actually incredible films and i highly recommend watching them um yeah matt reeves also directed cloverfield which was you know like kind of an like earth-shattering pop culture moment as well Mm -hmm. um you know produced by jj abrams and directed by matt reeves i don't know the the dude is really smart he's a great filmmaker and i'm really excited about that movie anyway that's not why we're here talking about uh dc fandom Uh, uh, we're talking about DC fandom because of Gotham Knights, which is the new game being developed by WB Montreal, who uh, previously made Batman Arkham Origins, which is the one that is not included in the trilogy of games. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is a game that uh, I was kind of excited about initially and am now completely like over the moon beside myself excited about. Um, so the long and short of it quickly is Batman is fucking dead. So no Batman. Great. Uh, just get him out of the picture because we've had a million <laughs> Batman games. And like we don't like it. Be it's all I would always welcome another Batman game, but we don't need another Batman game. So he's right, he's right. gone. Um, and replacing Batman in this case, you have a choice of four characters: Batgirl, the Red Hood, Robin, uh, who I think is Tim Drake, Robin, and um, and Nightwing, who is the original Robin, Dick Grayson, all grown up. And uh, yeah, you you get to play as any of those four characters. It's two player online co op if you want full open Gotham world as you had before going around and like solving crimes and doing all the like classic Batman shit, driving around on the bat cycle, whatever. Um, all the characters had different play styles and different traversal mechanics and all those different things. But on top of all of that, it's a story about the court of owls, which is like hands down one of my favorite Batman stories of all time. So an adaptation of my favorite Batman story in an open world game where you don't actually have to play as Batman, just like thrilling on multiple fronts. It's really wild. Um, and, and they had a, a reveal trailer that just kind of like went over. Hey, you can play as these four people. It's great. Court of Owls is in it. Sick. Um, and then they had like a five to ten minute gameplay demo, which followed Batgirl teaming up with Robin to take down Mr. Freeze, uh, which was like the most Joel Schumacher, like Batman and Robin <laughs> art direction I have seen in any of those games. Like it really yeah. looks like you took Batman and Robin and the Schumacher stuff and just smashed it with the Arkham games. So you come out the other end with like a thing that's not beholden to anything the Arkham games did. Um, it's telling its own new narrative uh, and just ha- is like kind of leaning into like the wilder comic booky shit, which I think is great yeah. to have that kind of like grounded art direction mixed with like Mr. Freeze is an inherently goofy character. You know, yeah. it, it's great. It's, I'm, I'm so excited for this thing. I mean, that kind of goes back, you know, in the in the many depictions of Batman on, on this sort of scale of grit, like on one end you have or I guess like I'm sure there's grittier versions, but, you know, on one end you have the Chris Nolan stuff, which is very interested in taking the fan fantasy out you know uh for better and for worse is the fantasy was gone and it was just very human very gray yeah Um, and then you had adam west which seems to be the the matt reeves take as well right Um, and then you have the adam west stuff which is like just fully like almost austin powers-esque energy (laughs) going on yeah yeah totally but I think somewhere in the middle, I, I, I prefer the, the, the middle slider of that with like 
the Tim Burton or Joel Schumacher where it's like you have this sort of gothic ambiance of Gotham that you want mm-hmm. uh, and you have this sort of like inherent darkness but you it still looks like people are wearing suits you know yeah. like it still is is exploring that inherent silliness which I think is found in a lot of the best Batman comics I always really loved uh, Kingdom Come uh, which mm. is a whole DC thing but like I love how when Alex Ross paints superheroes they they all look like they're wearing silly costumes even as glorious and as like godlike as it is yeah they all have like unflattering Star Trek onesies on you know like it's it's <laughs> right. which I think is really fun so I, I I like you am really interested in that kind of tone like not forgetting the inherent silliness but also not uh going too irreverent with it in an Adam West way yeah, um, uh, I, I in anticipation of all the big Batman announcements, I recently reread um, Frank Miller's Batman Year One, um, mm. which which, you know, they Frank Miller did Dark Knight Returns, which was like a huge kind of seminal book. I'm not like a huge yeah. fan of it personally. I think Me it's like neither. a little bit too grimdark. You know? I agree completely. Yeah. Um, but when when they were doing their first kind of like wide scale reboot of DC Comics for the first time ever uh, of the many times they've since done it, um, they brought Frank Miller in to say like, okay, we they they essentially looked like to give you a quick history lesson, I guess, on it. They looked at Superman. They were like, we need to really redo Superman <laughs> from like the ground up because whoa. Um, they also said the same thing about Wonder Woman. They like we really need to like redo everything that defines Wonder Woman, you know, and kind of like figure out a great way to make these two characters make more sense in a modern uh, era, which at that point was like the 60s or the 70s i think but they looked at batman's origin story and they were like this actually works still uh it might have been the 80s but anyway they're like batman's origin actually tracks and like weirdly enough his like his like weird persistent like nihilistic nightmare shit like tracks for the current day um all we need to do really instead of rewriting his origin is just contextualize it more and they brought frank miller in to do year one which i think gets to the heart of what you were just talking about which is like a lot of year one's interest is in exploring why bruce wayne would put on a stupid bat costume and like fight crime you know um a lot of it is him coming to terms with the fact that like he goes out as himself but like with some prosthetics on so people don't recognize him to fight crime and he finds that people aren't afraid of him and uh, and don't give a shit at all Um, uh, that he's trying to be a good guy because he's just a dude um, and and he like gets shot and like maimed and you know gets the shit kicked out of him and is like kind of losing it in his uh, dad's old study in his in his giant fucking mansion um, and like in his like weird kind of like uh, lucid fervor is like I'm I'm gonna dress like a bat and they'll be afraid of me because I'm not a man <laughs> you know and like he does it and it works so he keeps doing it even when he kind of comes to his senses and realizes it's dumb he still does it because he becomes a legend um, and that's that's kind of I think the space in which I am most interested in in exploring Batman is like yeah is like the version of that character that that knows inherently what he's doing is silly but does it because like it's working you know um, and that that totally. seems to be that that was one of the things that I found so interesting about the Arkham series I think they had a really great take on that character um, and I'm excited about Gotham Knights specifically I, I think that like exploring the Bat family and the dynamics between those four is going to be really exciting and really cool um, and, and those are characters that I think a lot of people don't know the ins and outs of um, yeah. like Nightwing is like one of the most interesting DC characters hands down you know he's he's yeah. the first Robin he's he's been like kind of radicalized by Bruce in like ways that aren't all positive uh, but still maintains kind of his humanity and like what is what are the what are the morals and 
ethos of Batman look like when kind of injected into a regular dude? That that creates a really interesting guy. And, and that's Nightwing's whole thing. So I'm like excited to see Nightwing on the main stage. Batgirl is fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to see her on the main stage. Red Hood, everybody knows. I mean, there have been like a million adaptations of that story. And, and the current Robin. I don't know. It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited about it. And even if that's like so mechanically cool. it's bad and like the game itself sucks, like I'm excited to pick it up and just kind of like see what story they've decided to tell. Yeah. Here. I mean, you know, the, at least there's the effort of keeping this series you love fresh, you know, yeah. it's like it, it's tough to keep Batman fresh. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it, it seems like yeah. they're doing it well. What is your favorite? Just while we're on the topic, what is your favorite Batman comic to recommend to the listener? Ooh, uh, uh, you're, you're saying for like new listener? I mean, for new readers? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we don't. Weirdly, you and I are both really into comics and we don't, for obvious reasons, talk about it a ton on the show. Yeah, but like, yeah. what would you say, like, while we're on the topic of Batman, what would what would you recommend checking out? Um, I mean, honestly, year one is a great place to start. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I just explained why. Uh, but year one is a really good place to, to start if you're like interested in the character and kind of want to get a little bit more like hands on. Um, and year one leads directly into uh, the long Halloween, which is another graphic. That's novel my you can favorite. Check out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, it's worth noting year one is about, you know, Bruce Wayne figuring out he wants to become Batman. It's his first year. It takes place over the course of the whole year. It's one graphic novel. You just pick it up, you read it and then you're done. And and the end of that book, this is not spoiling anything. Um, the end of that book kind of culminates in other people around Gotham realizing that like dressing up as a goofy thing is is a is an effective way of getting stuff done, which kind of uh, is is the beginning of Gotham's like uh, weird supervillain reckoning. You know, that whole rogues Ooh. gallery shows up because he is dressing like a bat and fighting crime. Like he is almost <laughs> weirdly the cause of Gotham's nightmare rogues gallery. Um, and The Long Halloween picks up. Uh, that's by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, who are a great duo. Uh, everything they work on uh, comics wise re- works for me generally. Um, and The Long Halloween is the story that takes place directly after year one, which is essentially like those rogues have now decided to kind of like really just take over Gotham. And and it's about them wiping out the old guard, which is like mob families that you see Batman taking on in year one. And, and it's about like the Joker and the Riddler and Poison Ivy and Penguin and all of these people saying like, we're going to usurp the Falcone Empire. We're going to wipe out, you know, the the like shitty commissioner. Uh, of the police we're gonna like do all of these things so we can run gotham instead of like kind of kind of the old classic like mobster vibe uh and that yeah. story rips it's so good and i yeah. think those two back to back are like a great starting point for anyone yeah long halloween is my is one of my favorites if i mean i, I haven't read it in a few years but like i remember it being a really good like sampler platter of villains you know because yeah. every season is a different villain i also remember catwoman having a really great role in it as well yes like yeah so so year one is also the origin story of catwoman um, oh, cool. Which, right you know, leads again directly into uh, in, into yeah. Long Halloween. Yeah, it, those two those two are a great starting point. One of my one of my favorite games growing up was the Batman Returns Super Nintendo game. Yeah, which is just it's just Streets of Rage. Uh, but as Batman fighting a lot of clowns. So if you ever have had a <laughs> bad day and want to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun time. It's 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 pretty good. I, I mean, it's a lot of nostalgia, but, you know. It's it's a fun uh, like side scroller that's based on a movie on Super Nintendo, which is not a great track record. So yeah, um, I I had the uh, I think I had the Sega Genesis version of that game. Mm, um, very good. 
Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's a good starting point. If you want to get a little bit deeper, I guess, uh, check out the Court of Owls stuff, especially in anticipation of Gotham Knight. I mean, that's one of the most like interesting Batman stories told in a long time. I think it's from 2011. Really, really fascinating story about like essentially Bruce Wayne thinks he knows everything about Gotham. He's like, I'm Batman. I'm the knight. I, I fucking rule this city. This is the best. Uh, and then finds out there's like a kind of secret Illuminati society that's technically like pulling all the strings of Gotham. And he had no fucking idea that they were there the whole time. They've been there. That's since like cool. the 1910s and it's uh nightmarish it is it is a horrifying story and i'm so excited to see it adapted into a video game because it is like perfect for that uh, yeah yeah that's cool it has Very like cool. a it has like a um uh being john malkovich you know uh john cusack shows up like in that um that that office building that's like half a floor and he's like crouched yeah. you know between and it's like how how is this why does this exist how is this here like that's court of owls is like there are there are secret floors built between floors where like the court of howls meets and shit like that Ooh, very um, cool it's i love that it's incredible it's amazing um anyway yeah th- those would be my recommendations i have about a billion more and i'm not going to go into it um also <laughs> it's cool to hear rock steady announced a suicide squad game where uh it's like raid bosses like you and your friends i think team up online and you take out the justice league which is like a really goofy idea it's like okay you're harley quinn and king shark how do you kill superman <laughs> which is like a-, a goofy idea that game's not coming out for another two years though so who knows what yeah. that's actually gonna look like very cool. anyway yeah those are batman games those are batman it's cool i mean i only have a few i'm not as into superhero stuff but i do enjoy a good batman every now and then so i'll check out year one for sure yeah um and i'm very curious about the game as well but yeah exciting stuff man yeah cool all right should we move on to uh the actual game we were going to talk about this week (laughs) yeah i think we should cool Uh, the whole segment i was fighting the urge to go (laughs) 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 so let's move on before i do it (sighs) i will say i think one of my favorite running gags on the adam west show is like whenever he answers the phone as batman or bruce wayne it's like the same voice yeah they're like who is that you know it's it's so funny (laughs) moving on goodbye Hey, Brendan, we're back and we're talking about Spiritfarer, a game that was announced uh, in the direct we covered. I'm losing concept of time because I'm like, it was announced today. I'm like, no, that's not true, Stephen. <laughs> uh, and uh, it is a game that immediately is one of my favorites this year. You know, I, I think I want to just start with that because because this show is all about stuff we love. I think it's easy for it to kind of blend together. And it's it's always from a genuine place. But like this is 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 immediately one of my favorites. I, I think this game is really incredible, really unique. And and, and I'm, I'm excited to explore why. Because it's a hard game to pitch uh, just to kind of get the concept right out. And then we'll explore this sort of like actual game and in our time with it so far it is described on the website uh for the game thunder lotus as a cozy resource management game about death i didn't read that uh dear listener i just got it based solely on my own gut instinct yeah uh, which i should maybe stop doing but it's, it's good for the show and it's good for you know going in with a neutral canvas yeah it worked um, out in this case right yeah i for whatever reason and i talked to my friend griffin about this like we both kind of got it on, on a whim and and uh, i actually i think i tweeted like brutal that all these games are coming out today and then my friend griffin assumed that i got spirit fair and he's like how do you like spirit fair so far <laughs> uh, we both assumed that it was going to be almost more like visual novelty based on the art style. Like mm-hmm. I assumed like 
based on nothing other than the style of game and the fact that like the trailer for it is just this young girl like hugging a lion and then it turning into light i was like okay i kind of i can go for that right now um didn't i was expecting it to be more more of that and uh and less resource management but it's even more than that and i think it's hard to pitch but basically the premise of the game is that uh you are uh, this young girl named stella who uh, it begins on almost like a hades-esque scenario there's some mythology kind of in the the lore of this game but you talk to this hooded very hollow knight figure uh sharon who i believe is the in 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 greek mythology is like the spirit on the boat that leads into the afterlife via the river sticks yes and the game begins with sharon talking to this girl who like the art style kind of reminds me of like steven universe a little bit like that kind of cheerfulness but like a little bit more it's equally colorful but it's a little bit more somber and a little bit more realistic in the environment i mean it's not an animated show so they have more opportunity to like go into more detail with certain things yeah um yeah but it has that sort of energy to it um and i mean that as a compliment and especially with the colors chosen it's like really stunning like the first environment the water is like red it almost looks like it's out of uh, Greece, which is one of my favorite games from from recently. But basically, Sharon says like, "Hey, you're the new spirit fairer. It's your job to have a boat and to take spirits into the afterlife." Mm-hmm. And and it kicks off with that. And and you are a silent protagonist. You kind of take this on. Uh, there, there's an immediate visual irony where like Sharon looks like the uh, <laughs> the person who takes into the afterlife. You see that hooded skeletal figure. You're like, yeah, that's death, basically. Yeah. Where Stella, like, again, looks like she's out of Steven Universe. She's, like, a very bright, cheerful person. And she has a cat that follows her around. Uh, So, like, and I think that that's purposeful because the game seems to be kind of like the Mortician's Tale, which we covered in the I was also going to bring this up bundle is very it's trying to put a more spot a more positive spin on death and on moving on yeah Um, it's a game more about moving on than I think it is about death itself but they are intertwined in the narrative so the game uh, just a quick overview the game mechanically is you get this boat uh, in the beginning there's only one spirit on the boat this all the spirits are are in like animal form in some way so this is like a really snobby deer that's on your boat uh, who like kind of helps you out in the beginning but like your boat is pretty much just like uh your own personal cabin in a navigation center you can fish off the side but the game is you going to various various islands and and getting resources to use to upgrade your boat to have more facilities on it um as you acquire more spirits who all have their own personality their own story going on and their own needs and wants so there's a lot of different elements happening here and and i think probably the most visible dna is like uh uh, people have said animal crossing i would i would say more stardew valley in the sense that there is a ticking clock in the game i think i think one of the one of the biggest um misconceptions i've seen about this game is that i've seen a lot of people describe it as an animal crossing like which is dear listener the reason i picked this game up in the first place was seeing that description <laughs> and then found out very quickly it wasn't that at all and then found out very quickly again after that that what it was was very much for me anyway um yeah but yeah i i totally agree with you B- big Stardew valley energy almost no animal crossing energy yeah there, there's a real-time clock and the game gets hooks in you once you get a few spirits on because they need to eat every day to stay in a positive mood and they all require kind of their own food uh, which i'll get into later and eventually they might say like hey i want i'm tired of staying in the 
guest room. I want like my own personal cabin. Yeah. Um, I think what makes the game not feel tedious is the fact that it's it's just so beautiful and it's so like great to be in. And when you go to these islands that have the resources you need to gather, they're not just like Nook Miles tickets islands that are there for you to plunder. <laughs> these nameless places full of resources. They usually have their own story going on. Sometimes you might even meet a major character who becomes one of your residents on the boat. Yeah. But, you know, and there's really nice animation. Like when you cut down trees, it's like you have this sort of omni tool that turns into like a saw or a pickaxe or sometimes it's oven mitts. You know, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's your it's your power as the spirit fairer. So you go to these places to get resources. But usually when you end up traveling, you also end up meeting new characters on the way. So it never feels like you're just going somewhere without something being discovered. Sometimes you might have your boat go through a lightning storm and that has its own thing. One of the spirits you get early on is like, hey, I wouldn't normally recommend any a friend of mine to get struck by lightning, but you're the spirit fair and it's actually great for you to get struck by lightning. Yeah. And they play like a uh, play like a woodwind and dance while it's storming and it's it's scary. But then you realize that it's actually good because you can capture lightning in a bottle. You get glims, which are the currency. And the game is very interested in like tackling things that seem scary head on and finding the beauty in them. Yes. So like there are a lot of moments that are just in passing that aid that theme so heavily. There are characters you meet that are like uh one of the earliest ones is this giant uh turtle that you know has a reason for being there but you can plant trees and gems on this turtle and they go underground and then after a while they surface and all those things have grown so you can like invest in them that way and what's really cool is that when you travel you know you you basically so get around on your boat you go into the navigation room you just choose a point on the map to go to and your boat will travel there automatically but it will stop if you like run into anything interesting or you can jump off the boat to like collect garbage and stuff that actually is helpful yeah but it has a very wind waker charm to it where like you can't fast travel you have to go there in real time but it never feels tedious because like it aids the sense of place and it aids the sense of adventure that the fact that sometimes you might just sail there and it's just you on the boat with your spirits but there's usually something to do and even something you know you can spend time fishing off the side i find myself because it's so beautiful and the game is so well animated i find myself just jumping around on the boat and like sliding off rooftops and doing flips like you know peter pan uh while i'm waiting to get to the next place and sometimes your spirits you know call to your attention and ask for certain things they all have their own in addition to their own kind of daily needs and wants they also have like their own personal quests that are their own version of moving on yes yeah a lot of them will give you little anecdotes about like things they miss from when they were alive or you know things that you know you, you might give them a specific food and they'll be like oh uh, i used to eat this with you know my grandkids or xyz thing um and they're all they're all working through their own i mean very almost like classic like uh, ghost haunting a house situation like they all have, yeah. they have their own like things that they need to kind of work through to be able to move on fully but in this case they're already dead and they're on your boat and you're taking them to the afterlife it's just about how long it takes for them to kind of uh, wrap their heads around whatever it is they they need to kind of uh, figure out yeah and 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 basically that that's the game really and it's up to you eventually like what order all of that happens and what you yeah. prioritize upgrading on your boat but like once you have a couple spirits the game has a really addictive loop that i think is very reminiscent of something like stardew valley where like animal crossing is tied to real time you're playing it and you might run out of things to do that day and it's designed to be that way because they want you to check in a little bit every day whereas stardew valley you can binge because it's <laughs> the game has its own clock happening and you might be like 
like, okay, I actually have to play another day because I want to get these things done. And this game has that where you might be like, okay, I'm not, I don't feel good turning this game off until I have like settled on these objectives I've given myself. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's really fun. It's, it's, you know, even with games we like, you and I, you know, we have, we both work full time. We have our own lives going on. And sometimes it's, it's an effort even to make time for games that we love. And this game like refuses to let me go. I just hours blur away with this game and in a really positive way. And I think that the, the narrative is really well paced amidst all this sort of like kind of gathering quests where like, you know, you'll be surprised when suddenly one of your spirits will bring up something more personal. Yeah. And that's where the game weirdly gets like uncharacteristically darker. Uh, I think you pointed out that like there's some foul language used that like doesn't seem on par with the game's tone which like i might even bounce against a little bit i think thematically it's doing a great job exploring these heavy themes in a way that's like appropriate for all ages but it's weird when someone will just be like they got a nice ass i'm like i didn't expect that from this game yeah uh, which is a little bit but that very very nitpicky thing i don't think it's inherently bad at all it just it doesn't really match the the tone of the rest of the game but it's fine you know i think that this is a game that's probably aimed at not all ages but more of like a 13 and up crowd despite how like cute it looks so yeah that that's that's the best way i can pitch the game in a nutshell but i'd love to get more into specifics of like how our experiences have been going unless you have anything to add to the overview no i I think anything i would add to the overview would be more into specifics anyway um but yeah i don't know this is a game that uh as as you said just kind of got its hooks in me like very very quickly uh i started playing it i was like oh okay i kind of understand what the loop is here and then as you said as soon as you get a couple more spirits um you and i were talking a little bit yesterday uh about you know the the game kind of like funnels you in a direction where you're picking up three specific spirits first um and they kind of like teach you the ins and outs over a long period of time it takes like hours probably um but over a long period of time they kind of teach you the ins and outs and they have you build a couple specific uh areas on your boat so there's like a loom that you can build that allows you to you know loom uh fiber into thread um you get a sawmill that allows you to take the the trees you're chopping down and turn them into planks that you can use to build other things um and you get like a kitchen that allows you to cook the food that you're collecting and cook the fish that you're fishing up um and things like that you know they kind of teach you those basic mechanics um but after that is done the game kind of just opens up in a way and it's still gated in some areas there's like a big wall of ice that you have to upgrade your boat to be able to like charge your boat through and that takes a long time to get that upgrade so you're going to be kind of exploring everything but that area beyond that ice wall uh, for a long time but there's so much to explore there and there are other spirits to be picking up um, and other stories to kind of uh, unravel in in those instances and that's I think kind of where the game gets into uh, what you and I have described as uh, Starbound-esque kind of vibes. Yeah, Um, yeah. Starbound is a game by, I think, an ex-Terraria developer who went over to Chucklefish, I believe, and then started making that game. And and, and that's a game that's almost like a, a 2D mashup of No Man's Sky and Terraria uh, in that you can fly around to a bunch of different planets, they're all randomly generated, uh, and you just kind of play Terraria when you're there. You and I used to play that game a lot online together, like yeah. way, way back in the day, like when it first came out in like early access or whatever. Might not have even been called early access at that point, now that I'm thinking back yeah. on, on that period of time. But anyway... Um, definitely, definitely, 100%. Our favorite moment in that game every time was when we were flying from one planet to the other. Um, yeah. You and I lost our fucking minds every time we got to fly from one planet to another because it takes a little while. It's not immediate because the, the game has to generate the next world that you're going to. And you and I would just play instruments uh, on on the ship together uh, as we were flying from one planet to another. I think that's like, that's like one of my fondest gaming memories is thinking back yeah. on you and I playing like the accordion 
Tyrion and like a loot, you know, on, on a spaceship <laughs> flying from one planet to another. And this game is just that feeling the whole time. Anytime you're yeah. going from from one island to another or from one like interesting point on the map to another, it feels like that. It feels I mean, it's not with somebody else. Technically, um, I'm not playing with you online, for example, but it gets at the heart of what made that experience so thrilling and so like charming and 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 uh, just fills you up with with a nice warm feeling um, because you can kind of really do whatever you want. You can talk to all the spirits that are on your boat about things that are heavy uh, or you can just go into the kitchen and throw like 15 ears of corn into the oven and see what comes out the other end uh, or you can go fishing for a while and and uh, in, in the beginning you can only fish up herrings but eventually you get an upgrade for that that allows you to fish out other things like more difficult fish to catch and the, and the mini game gets a little bit more difficult or like garbage or poems. I don't know if you started fishing poems out of the ocean yet uh, or if you met the person who who's writing oh, those yeah. poems. Like, I, yeah, I hope no one reads their poems and there's messages in bottles that just their poetry. Yeah, uh, it's very charming. All about one specific topic, which I kind of don't want to I, I don't want to give that away because uh, it's hilarious. But anyway, yeah, you can go fishing or you can you know spend your time uh, going through and taking all of the uh, resources you've gathered, like the trees you've been chopping down or the ores you've been digging up and things like that and kind of refine them into better materials that you can use to build the actual upgrades for your ship and things like that. Like there's so much to do to fill that time while you're moving from one place to another. I didn't know anything about that turtle that you were talking about. So I'm going to tell you something that I don't think you know about yet, which is that you can fast travel at a certain point. Um, oh, there is a place where you unlock fast travel, which um, is kind of a weird experience to discover. I think you'll find it naturally eventually. Um, yeah, but there is a way to fast travel from like one point on the map to the other quickly. You'll still have to go from that fast travel point to wherever you want to go. So it's not it's not like full fast travel from one island to another. Uh, but but you'll figure out what I mean eventually. But I even after unlocking that have found myself not doing it because I enjoy that experience of just sailing from one place to another and just seeing what happens along the way. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll, you'll go through a storm that allows you to catch lightning. Like you were saying, you'll go through those like dark areas that, um, are filled with like weird, evil jellyfish, which like I, th- I thought immediately the game was going to be like, okay, now we're going to teach you how combat works. And that's not what happens yeah. at all. You just jump into the jellyfish to kind of collect what's inside them. Uh, and then you move on. Um, which I really, appreciated that there was no like okay now yeah. s- now mash x to do your your fucking punch move i think that this game's themes are aided so heavily by the fact that there isn't combat but there is yeah. a sense of i mean there's some stuff disguised as that like there's a point where you meet a big dragon who has like all these kind of almost cancerous like hunks of ore on its on its scales yeah and and uh one of your spirits who's this like snake uh she's like oh like all living things must be cherished like go and and pick up the ore off their back yeah. so you're, you're kind of like doing what you would do in a boss where you're waiting for parts to appear and and hitting a button but like it's not to kill this thing it's to it's to relieve it and that's kind of yeah. what you're doing constantly you're just taking care of people and and i think that the theme of tackling things head-on is very apparent too with the lightning and with the jellyfish and i think uh, going into the design of the spirits too i think there's a lot of irony with how the spirits behave what animal they're personified as mm-hmm. and what they were like as a person so the snake stands out to me because she's also this great like kind of hollow knight like there's no voice acting but there are sounds yeah uh that will and a lot of them are just like hmm hmm. Mm -hmm. like a lot of times (laughs) the ambient noise on your ship will be like people eating like and like like oh this is kind of unsettling but the snake is this and a lot of them are also kind of either indirectly or directly related to you but i digress the snake 
is this woman who only eats vegetables. So if you, if you give her meat, she's like, no, 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 no. We can't harm any other living thing. And by that, you can also figure out once you upgrade, once you upgrade your kitchen, you can put ingredients together. You can be like, oh, she would love a carrot and a turnip together. And then you get what's called a grain salad. And I gave it to her and she's like, ah, oh, Stella, tell me, is there anything better than a grain salad? And like <laughs> the animation of a snake wearing a robe being happy is so funny because yeah. her head like sticks up straight. But so her whole vibe is she's the character who teaches you how to make a garden uh, and also teaches you that if you sing, if you play like this kind of Guitar Hero mini game, you can have whatever you planted grow pretty much instantly. So if you don't want to wait the time, you just want it to like, if you need that resource right away, you can do that. And so their whole vibe is like very kind of hippie, you know, uh, vegan kind of thing. But then when you talk to that character about who they were as a person, they worked for like a very Monsanto-esque corporation yeah. that like fills fields with pesticides and chemicals to make a profit. And there's almost this guilt of that mm -hmm. with who their spirit is now similarly uh i don't know if you got them yet but there's a character at this point i have four spirits so you have the deer who starts the game who's very snobby loves comfort food and coffee yeah comes from and like a very you, wealthy upbringing and like you yeah. can very much tell yeah and there's a lot a lot of her personal stories about like trying to make peace with what her home life was like, mm -hmm. which apparently was not great. Like you go to her house that she grew up in, she's like, I'm not going in there. Like bring me the music box you find, but I can't, I can't go in there. Yeah. The second one you get is this really jovial frog, uh, who is your uncle. And he, he, his food is he likes, it says likes everything, dislikes nothing. And he teaches you how to use the sawmill, which is, I'll just say too, the sawmill is significantly harder to use than any other resource thing. <laughs> like, it takes a long time too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, all the, re, all the, uh, the loom and the sawmill and the, and you eventually get like a kind of like ore smelting place are all really fun mini games. But, um, the frog is like really jovial and, and always happy. But, uh, a lot of his personal stuff seems to be about how he misses his family. And I wonder like, okay, does that mean maybe he might have been more of an absent father than his current personality suggests? Mm -hmm. You know, there's sort of an aloofness to his constant positivity that might indicate a, a stronger kind of sense of sadness underneath. So there's stuff like that that's yeah. just sort of happening ambiently with the snake. Uh, the latest character I got is, um, named Astrid. And you meet her spirit. Uh, what happens when you get a spirit is you meet them. They all kind of have like almost like a journey-esque appearance. They have these robes mm -hmm. and like a shadowy face with two beady eyes. But you can tell who is a potential passenger because there's like a silhouette, almost like a persona. It's like a, a blank silhouette of the animal they are behind them that you right. can kind of see. So uh, I went to a place. There was a, a protest happening, like a workers' rights protest um, at this factory. And you have to help them communicate with the horrible CEO is what his name is. And the spirit there is so impressed with you helping the workers that she joins the boat. And she's this really regal looking kind of lion yeah. that walks around very pompously and fans herself and will ring a little bell when she wants your attention. But ironically, she is like obsessed with coming off as like plain and simple and is like vehemently in favor of workers' rights. So yeah. like and it's kind of ironic because she she wants she only eats plain food. But like at first you try to feed her everything and she's like, I won't eat that. So I'm like, oh, do you want like fancy stuff? Like do I have to and like you just need to like literally put a fish over fire and that's what she eats. So I don't know much about her personal story yet, but I'm already enjoying the irony of like 
you've just gone so far the other way that you're like snobby, but about being as unpretentious as possible. Yeah. Uh, which is really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I, I also so just stuff picked like her that. up recently as well. Oh, cool. Um, so that, that, that's, that's my current crew are those four. Um, I have not built yeah. the house for her. Each of, each of the spirits gets like their own house essentially. Yeah. Um, I've not built the house for her yet, but, uh, yeah, it's huge, which is also kind of ironic. Is it? Like, just oh, give me so a humble shack and it's like giant. Also worth noting is that like on your ship, when you build all these new additions, you only have a limited space. It's almost like a Tetris-esque system where you're like, you can move where things are uh, and you know they'll add ladders or like, you know, things that, that support them. So you can kind of have a lot of fun with the layout and you also can upgrade how big your ship is, which I needed to do. So like when I was playing, I was okay. I'm going to go to this island. I'm going to go back to Albert Shipyard, who's a friendly shark that upgrades your ship, who's great. Um, <laughs> I could see fast travel being just to go back to Albert more quickly. Like, that's probably what I would yeah. use it for. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I also do enjoy the fact that I have to go back. It reminds me, weirdly, of one of our favorite uh, games, Dragon's Dogma, where, like, <laughs> yeah. the the preparation of leaving town is a big deal because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, in Dragon's Dogma, it's, it's the sense of, like, oh, okay, I might die. But in this game, it's more about, like, will I have the resources that I need to keep my passengers happy? That's what's at risk. Because, like, if I don't have enough food, if I don't have whatever, they can get in a bad mood. Like, uh, the deer just locked herself in her room. She's like, I just need alone time. It's something personal. So, I'm like, okay, that's happening. Yeah. Um, and and I, I've met a fifth spirit, but I didn't. Uh, I'm like, I got so much stuff going on with, like, trying to figure out what this lion wants to eat. I can't imagine having a fifth person on board. Like, give me a sec. Mm-hmm. So I now feel like everyone has their house. Everyone has an upgraded house. You could upgrade places to got enough space. I'm like, okay, this person will be chill in the guest room for a bit. Let me invite them on. So yeah. it's really fun. And and I think having the creative agency of the layout is, I think, a really nice touch. Because I try to like, I tried to keep having awful memories of living beneath very noisy neighbors. I try to not put the sawmill on top of their living abode not that it matters but i just like having that flavor of like okay here are the residences yeah i had the loom and the sawmill and the and the smelter all kind of around the same place and i have the garden next to summer's house the snake who's like all about veggies so like everything everything is kind of arranged that way yeah i i definitely need to upgrade my boat again i think i'm on the third upgrade but i definitely need the fourth one because i've now hit the point where like if i wanted to build anything else i just need to like tetris my way into making it work not because not because it actually looks nice or like makes sense logically but just because it's the only way stuff will fit um yeah so i I have to get one more upgrade so i'll be able to like actually rearrange the things the way i want to because right now it is a true nightmare Uh, (laughs) but thankfully to upgrade the space you just need gleams which you can get a lot of uh there's a traveling merchant who just buys trash yeah and like he buys it for a lot um and uh you know so i made most of the money with him and he even can he can sell you a mystery seed which just grows into a bunch of trash yeah so it's it's great and you can even go on a loop where like if you wanted to stay with him sing to that plant to get it to grow immediately and keep selling stuff it's it's pretty easy I know even though I'm constantly taking care of things, I never feel short on materials, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. Other than maybe like wood and ore, but then that's just the game being like, oh, maybe go somewhere new and then you discover new things. Yeah, so. I, I found myself uh, initially a little bit overwhelmed by not knowing where the stuff spawns, I think, uh, or where yeah. to find it. And like I didn't I didn't really have like um, an, an immediate um, understanding of like how quickly the stuff comes back i think was my was my biggest problem was like okay i went to this i really for example i really need uh what is it maple maple wood or like maple logs 
And I only know of one place that can give me maple logs at the moment. I can only get to one place that can give me maple logs at the moment. Um, so I, I sawed it down and then I just had to like go do other stuff in the game for a while before I could go back to that island to get, you know, to chop down those same trees and get more maple logs. You know, that kind of stuff I found a little bit frustrating. And I'm also at a point currently where I have so much stuff going on on the ship that I do feel a little bit overwhelmed that I kind of don't know what to do next. I have like eight different objectives. I can upgrade everything that's on my boat all at once. Um, and and the game is also every time I open the map trying to get me to go to like four different places that I haven't been to before. So like I yeah. I think that's like maybe the one downside of this game as much as I absolutely fucking love it. Uh, I think I think it's an incredible thing and I, I kind of want to see it through the end, which is a whole separate tangent that we could go on. The fact that like this is a Stardew Valley kind of game that does have an end to it from what I understand. Yeah. Like I think once you get all the spirits and they all move on eventually like the game will be over, which is kind of thrilling to know that there's an end in sight. But anyway, I have now hit a point where the game has opened up so much all at once that like I do feel like I kind of don't know what I should be focusing on next. So I'm just kind of yeah. like tackling things one at a time um, and trying to ignore the fact that every time uh, one of my spirits wants to talk to me, it's giving me another request, you know, like, yeah, it's it's kind of the weird. I, they say it's like a cozy management simulation, but I think like at the moment currently cozy is kind of out of the equation um, because like <laughs> I am spending all of my time traveling from island to island like, OK, I need to feed all four of you. I have to give you all hugs. Uh, I, have to, I have to talk to all of you to get your strange anecdotes or your sad anecdotes. And then I also have have to like field all your requests simultaneously i have to figure out the order of events in which i can upgrade this stuff because you know some things that they're keep reminding me over and over again to upgrade like the kitchen for example they keep telling me i have to upgrade the kitchen because i haven't done that yet but i can't upgrade the kitchen until i upgrade the loom and i can't upgrade the loom until i've upgraded the sawmill you know like things like that and i can't upgrade the sawmill until i have the forge so i just had to build the forge before like in my most recent playthrough like that stuff they're not giving you the pathway to that you know they're, they're not telling you okay you have to upgrade this before this before this before this they just keep telling you the frog really needs you to upgrade the kitchen you know like yeah and and i think think if, if there's one place that I would push back on on the game, um, it's it's there in, in that like the, the coziness should come from the fact that like those upgrade trees, I think, are laid out a little bit cleaner than they are currently. That said, I've been able to parse all of it out, you know, personally and figure out what to do next. And so that's fine. Um, it's just that there's so much choice right now that it's a little bit overwhelming. But outside of yeah, all of that, I can like, see that outside of all of that, um, I'm, I'm finding it thrilling to you know, just kind of like interact with the systems in a way that feels natural. You know, like I, I find myself charting courses specifically through storms so I can have yeah. it rain on all of my uh, on all of my crops instead of needing to go through and water them individually one by one. I could just say, oh, I could. There's a thunderstorm right over here. Why don't I just guide my ship through that so I don't have to water it all? Um, and meanwhile, I can go to the island on the other side of the storm, you know, and check out that or yeah. um, specifically charting courses through all of the like shipwrecks and like you know, crates that are just kind of floating in the water so I can jump off my ship and oh, guess what? Like I, I went through a storm and watered all my crops. I hopped off the boat and like got a bunch of weird stuff from from the like shipwreck stuff in here. But also simultaneously, I was able to clean off the side of my ship and take off all the barnacles and scallops and stuff that have kind of like nestled themselves on on the side of the hull. Uh, and now I can cook all of that up and give it to the frog. You know, like you you end up doing a lot of things simultaneously. Um, in, yeah, in, in it becomes the, like clockwork. Yes. In, in the quest to do one thing, you've actually checked five things off of your list. Um, and, I, and I think that really just is a testament to like great 
design you know like really totally. really great system interaction i i love i love that shit i mean it's like it's yeah. it's great but outside of that you get the stuff like you were just talking about with like the the workers rights situation which is like a side story i absolutely didn't expect to see in this game but it's very yeah. much like an anti-capitalist manifesto situation that you act out you know um yeah. which doesn't feel like forced or hammy or weird it just kind of like tracks and as you're saying really just kind of blends in with the characterization of the person who is leading that charge you know like weirdly enough it it seems like it might be overcompensating for for how they lived in their life and and the kind of um lifestyle that they built up which you know will i guess unravel over the course of time as we learn more about that character but yeah i i i find that this game um really does eat time as you were talking about i think in the in the very beginning i was like oh i kind of see where they're going here and then at a certain point once you get like your second spirit or your third spirit like the whole game opens up um and it can be daunting but it is more exhilarating than daunting i would actually recommend for people you know curious about the game or who are playing it currently to maybe keep your capacity to three for a while because i find like i finally got the handle on the four of them but it's like it's like ha- suddenly having like a bunch of kids like i'm just like, oh shit i think my whole life is gone uh, yeah. so i think like like i'm glad i i i saw that fifth spirit and i'm like i'm waiting on you pal i can't right now mm-hmm. but it's good that it's up to you to like decide who and when you're taking on. But, you know, I think like I'm glad I took on Astrid. I think that, you know, her, that character in particular, I think is is more fascinating to me than some of the other ones yeah. currently. And and I think what I really wanted to play to is I really wanted to see like what happens when a spirit moves on. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that neither of us have gotten to that point yet. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I mean, we'll talk about it again, but I'm, I'm actually also kind of glad that it, that it seems to take a while, you know, and it seems to be like mm-hmm. unclear they they hint at maybe what their thing is like uh the frog keeps asking for pork chops and i'm like okay he asked for popcorn recently and that awoke a whole thing about his kids and he misses his family yeah he's like you know that wasn't feeling but i remember i used to eat popcorn when we watched movies together so like i imagine pork chops will elicit a similar response so i wonder if like the frog's pathway to moving on is through food whereas you know astrid's might be through like work or something you know through like the getting a a factory to work in or whatever um it's a really incredible game i I mean talk about you know how we said hades is a roguelike that is like wrapping narrative around roguelike mechanics i have yet to see a game other than this one wrap narrative around resource gathering you know the fact that Mm -hmm. like getting these character stories to play out is intertwined with the same game mechanics as like cooking or getting yeah because generally it's It's just a means to an end right in minecraft it means literally nothing um but in a game like no man's sky generating those resources or, or starbound for example generating those resources means like you get to build better armor or you're like getting fuel for your ship so you can fly from point a to point b none of that really means anything outside of the actual like mechanical systems that the game is forcing you to interact with and in this case chopping down a tree like means something especially when you like go on a tour of an island and while you're in the middle of the tour and they're showing you the trees on on their beautiful island you decide to chop one down like that's a narrative moment that can play out you know yeah I mean, I'll say this. Like, I think I think the two things that are working really well for me that I wasn't expecting. Uh, one is is the downtime. You know, with like, even though we said you get caught in this clockwork loop of of tasks, the fact that at least right now I don't have time. I don't have fast travel, so like the boat actually has to go to a place. And what do you do in the interim? I think it makes discovery feel so much more special. The fact that a lot of the game is just traveling. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way about Wind Waker. Um, I, I I think games should invest more in that. I think I think. 
to me, it adds a sense of adventure that is much more immersive than if every second it's packed with action. You know, I think to its credit, I, I think Skyrim does that well too. If you don't fast travel, you just walk around. Yeah. A lot of it is quiet and a lot of it is like you just maybe using that to, to narratively get in the head of your character. You know, I, I think there's so much to say for that. Um, to have moments of downtime that actually aid the bigger moments. You know, they, they complement each other really well. Another thing is that, you know, even though I, I was immediately smitten by this game and I got it on an impulse, I was a little worried that it was going to be too sweet. You know, the, the promo for this game was just Stella hugging a lion and it disappearing. So I'm like, this looks heartwarming and amazing, but like, I, I think sometimes games can try a little hard, too hard to be like too cute in that way, you know? And I think what's really what's really balancing this game's kind of heart and the fact that hugging is a mechanic is the fact that it is scary. It, you know, the undercurrent of this game is you were the Grim Reaper. Yeah, right. And the the jellyfish and the lightning storms are scary. Like they're 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 done in a way that completely changes the vibe of the game. And there's this really static undercurrent of sadness as well that I think makes the hugs and makes the visual like the really colorful and bright palette stand out it's sort of like how in with a lot of chocolate and and sweets you need salts to like have really that part of it work Mm -hmm. and i think that this game is blending the darker side of the narrative with the the more appealing you know colorful side of it in a really masterful way that doesn't feel artificial that's what i mean i i don't mean a game can be as cute as it wants to be hence animal crossing but even animal crossing has that undercurrent of strangeness that yeah. i think makes it not feel too artificially sweet yeah not not to not to bring some negativity on the show and i know that this is a, a maybe a very hot take or whatever um but I, I think a recent game that honestly i think went too lean too far into trying to be cutesy and i think like for me personally again why this is a hot take but for me personally did not work at all was ooblets which was a game that i was like thrilled so looking forward to coming out um and then launched an early access on xbox and i think also on pc and i started playing it and it didn't click for me specifically because like it i I think it ended up being so cute that it was like overloading uh the the narrative and overloading like the actual mechanics of the game was like i i just i couldn't get past the the art direction and the writing in that game you know it 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 felt a little bit I, i hate to use this word but I can't think of a better one at the moment, but it felt a little like fraudulent, you know, like it was it was masking other things via its its uh, art direction and its theme and its writing um, in, in a way that didn't make it feel authentic. Um, and and yeah. this game, I think, has such a such a strong presence and theme and, and authenticity to everything that's happening in it, where like the the narrative as a whole, I think, is is kind of like branching down into the mechanics and each individual spirit story and, and that downtime, as you and I were talking about, like all of it feeds the larger theme and the larger idea and scope of the thing. It, it it's all it's all one cohesive unit, uh, and and I think that's where it really succeeds. And I think that's why you and I are are so keen on it at the moment. You know, is is yeah. like it really is a, a marriage of all of those things that makes it one larger package. And I agree with you. I watched that trailer, and my concern wasn't that it was going to be like too sweet, but my concern was that it was going to be too fucking sad. Because um, I was like, mm. here's a game about death where you play as the Grim Reaper. And even though like you look like a fun, like cool player character, um, 
I, I was concerned that the game would be too depressing at times. I, I, I tweeted out immediately as soon as I started playing it. I was like, oh man, this game's gonna make me cry a lot, isn't it? Because that opening where, you, where you're talking to, um, where, uh, shit, what is the name of the, the, the original? Oh, the deer. Spirit Fair? No, the original Spirit Fair. Oh, uh, Sharon. Sharon, uh, yeah. C-H-A, yeah, or Sharon. Yeah. Um, yeah. when you're talking to, to them, like that, that bit was like, oh man, I'm gonna feel a lot of things throughout this game. Um, yeah. and, and while it's true that I am, at the same time like that downtime balances that out or like when you go to an island that is like inhabited by other spirits and like you talk to them and they're talking about how fun it is to like learn to spit really far off a bridge like it just kind of makes it all work like there's enough of a balance yeah. there that I, I think it, it just it just it just feels like a perfectly tuned clock in like the best yeah. way you know uh from from a thematic standpoint i can imagine that like you know because it's seemingly i mean i play this game for probably at least six hours at this point and i've yet to see anyone off to the to the true afterlife yeah but i imagine by the time you do that like (laughs) the spirits are just annoying enough that like there's probably a little bit of relief coupled with the bittersweetness you know Mm -hmm. where like they're human enough and they're flawed enough and they're (laughs) they're annoying enough that like i imagine enough time will be invested in these in these spirits that like when they do leave i'll miss them but i'm also like you know it's like okay like they're taken care of you know and it's not about like that you know they have finished this story i'll miss them but like i now have a load off my shoulders Mm -hmm. you know i don't have to worry about grilling a simple fish for astrid anymore right you know um so i think that that's a really important blend yeah it's it's the sadness of sending your kid off to kindergarten for the first day you know it's like it it's it's sad because they've been with you for so long you know and you've had to watch over them at every moment and like here they are going off on their own like for the first time and what will probably be like the beginning of an entire new chapter in their lives right where they're not at home constantly um but at the same time there's going to be that relief that you finally get you know six hours of the day or eight hours of the day back in the middle of the day suddenly forever yeah um and i think too in terms of like things being too cute or whatever i also recognize that i'm a 30 year old man so like of course like we're big proponents of like realizing that not everything is going to be made for us and that there are things that need to exist for a younger audience. That being said, I simultaneously think that kids and, and a younger audience are way more perceptive than I think a lot of marketing teams would realize. Yeah. And, that, and that the media that really succeeds for kids and that those kids remember growing up are are the stories that don't shy away from things that are real. You know, I think a great example yes. is like all the Maurice Sendek stuff where like mm-hmm. it's about reality as filtered through the imagination of a child. And I think uh, same thing, you know, a little older, but you know, you and I talk about Hey Arnold way too much on a video game show and i think it's because like that show well for a younger audience didn't shy away from stuff that kids are actually going through yeah and i think a lot of a lot of uh modern day stuff too uh, i think steven universe is a good example of that as well a lot of really big themes are explored in that show and anyone can watch that and enjoy it yeah you know th- there's a way to do that without you know i think and there's a place like for for like babies for stuff that's just like hi everything's <laughs> great you know but yeah. like once you hit a certain cognitive age, you can you can ingest media that is that is teaching you something about life. Yeah, I mean, even Sesame Street. I don't know how recently you've watched Sesame Street, but I, I was um, at, at my partner's parents' house like many months ago, and and um, her her really 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 young nephew was there, uh, and and watching Sesame Street. We were watching Sesame Street with him, and like even Sesame Street tackles like really dark shit sometimes, you know, and and it's because like that's the stuff that the kids are going through, and and they should be like mentally prepared for that stuff, you know. 
know? Yeah. Um, you and I talk, you, you're in the process of watching all of Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra um, at the moment. And like, I, th- I think there's no better shining example recently of like a show that technically on its surface, like to a lot of people looks like it was made for kids. But in fact, it contains this like really kind of harrowing and brutal story um, that while enjoyable by everyone of all ages, like really, really does ask a lot of big questions uh, yeah. about what it means to grow up and, and what it's like to be a citizen of a world that like is is darker than you thought it was going to be. I mean, I, I think one of this and not to get too into Avatar, I did I did finish Last Airbender, but I just started Korra. I'm right. really loving it so far. But there's an episode in uh, and I and, and worth noting, I, you know, obviously missed Avatar when I was younger. I think Avatar came out when I was like maybe like 11 or 12 and then Korra was much later. But yeah. One episode that really stood out to me watching it now was when Aang goes to a Fire Nation school pretending to be like a Fire Nation kid. Yes. And and the way that that school is structured is eerily similar to like what you and I kind of went through where like, or I think a lot of schools in America where like they are suggested to just sort of blindly say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. History is taught in a way like the teacher's like, you know, what year did the Fire Nation defeat the Air Nation army? And and Ang is like the air nomads didn't have an army that that was not a war right that was, that was, that was and and then eventually he backs away but like stuff like that and then he teaches them all how to dance and like it's for me and you know my mom's a teacher and like it's so sad that a lot of schools like so uh not only under prioritized but like prioritize against investing in the arts and teaching kids to be themselves that like that was a really beautiful moment that like was appropriate for kids to watch but was was tackling these big things that as a 30 year old man i was like wow that's interesting you know like it's great you can do that <laughs> yeah. in a way and that that's actually almost why i think i bounce against some of the stronger language and spirit fair because i'm like this would be a great experience mm. for a younger person to have i agree but i think because the game is a little bit mechanically complicated and the fact that you know they're it's not harsh language but like there's enough like shits and dams and 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 you got a nice ass that like i wouldn't <laughs> like suggest this for all ages i would say like a hard you know 12 on this one but yeah i, I think that it's still uh it 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 being colored in this way and, and animated in this way doesn't mean it's inherently for kids either. So like, and I'm a big proponent of that. Just because it's an adult show doesn't mean it needs to look like Rick and Morty. Like there, you can do other types of animation for adults yeah. and tell a meaningful story, which is what this game is doing. A lot of ideas there, but I just wanted to tackle. No, that. I think that all made sense. I um yeah, yeah I I don't know if if you um have the have the equipment, you should check out Spirit Fair. Um, it, yeah, it's it's so good and and it's great. I don't know. I'm not going to put it down anytime soon, so it's possible we might talk about it again next week. Uh, I I just like all I want to do is play it. Like my the the two uh, mental states that I've been in for the past week are either playing Spirit Fair or while I'm doing other things, realizing that I'm humming a song from Near Automata out loud. So like <laughs> those are the two halves of my brain at the moment, and I can't believe I have to think about things that aren't either of those. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's the two things you have to think about. <laughs> <laughs> this cannot continue. This cannot continue. Yeah. Oh, this spear fair. Um, I don't. I don't think I have anything else to say about it without you know looping back in on ourselves and becoming an Ouroboros of takes. But yeah, <laughs> it's a fantastic game. I love it. I think that. I would recommend it to a lot of people. I think if you're someone who enjoyed Stardew Valley, you will love this game. Like if you're interested in in that type of yeah. like 
narrative, you will love it. I don't think it's for everyone. Like, I think that there's enough, like you said, you kind of got frustrated at some point. I think mechanically, you do have to go in with an appetite for this type of game. But I think that uh, if you're willing to at least experience that, you'll be really astounded by the presentation and the narrative here. Yeah, so, I, I mean, let me let me be clear. When I say it gets overwhelming, it gets about as overwhelming as like Roller Coaster Tycoon does, you know, <laughs> like, right. it's kind of that right. level. Like Roller Coaster Tycoon was was made to be an open sandbox where like there are objectives, but um, it's kind of up to you to figure out how to accomplish them and and um, exactly like in what order you're going to build the uh, merry-go-round and then the big roller coaster that you're planning on building so you can save this park, you know, and like that's a, that's a daunting idea initially and then eventually you'll figure it out. And that's kind of where I'm at with Spirit Fair right now um, is like at the moment currently there's a lot of stuff going on, but I think eventually I'm going to knock some of those items off the list and I'll get a better sense of what's coming next. So like I, I agree with you that like maybe eventually it gets so uh, mechanically complex that like it could be a little bit daunting for people. I I think most people would be able to push through that and come at the other end. Oh, totally. I just think, you know, not not everyone enjoys this type yes, of game. Yes, I agree with that. You know? totally. Like I think but I think that if you do, you will love this game. Yes. And I think that if you, uh, yeah, it's it, you bringing up Roller Coaster Tycoon, it does have a lot of sim energy across the board. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. Like uh, especially with managing the mood of the of the passengers, like you know, kind of going directly to the sims but as well as like like growing up i loved some city i love some tower uh yeah this is scratching that itch that has been uh unscratched for a long time what (laughs) anyway spirit (laughs) fair is great uh highly recommend one of my favorite games of this year it will definitely be talked about again yeah yeah i don't have anything else to say about it besides check it out so check it out cool uh, Time to move on. Sharon, row me to the afterlife, please. Yeah, Sharon is also the name of the um, person who guards the castle in Rogue Legacy as well. Oh, really? Which is very interesting. They're also a ghoul companion in Fallout 3. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Need something. Cool. I guess I guess we should wrap up then, huh? I guess it's that time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why that made me laugh. Uh, it is time to wrap up. As always, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. Uh, we, we've just been talking about the state of the show and like uh, we're really simultaneously blown away and trying to digest the amount of support we've been getting lately. Um, <laughs> so thank you all for for kind of rooting the show on it continues to exist because of you if you like the show and want to help it grow recommend it to your friend that's the easiest and best way uh rating on apple Podcasts out of five stars also helpful we have a patreon uh into the cast same deal if supporting it puts you in any financial strain, please don't. But the Patreon exists to help the show grow. Uh, so the more support we get, the more we can do. We were just talking about streaming more. I know that's like the <laughs> the lie of the show is us saying that and then never committing to it consistently. But we do want to do. I think we'll eventually try to find a day, maybe, you know, at least once a week, something. We'll let you know. But that's in the works currently. Yeah. I'm at least planning on do- if there's a daily challenge in Splunky 2, which I imagine there will be. My plan is to do like a morning daily challenge stream of Splunky 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I think what's important for us is to find the game that works you know because yeah. like i think that yeah so as much as i love near automata it's not a great game to stream <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh-huh. uh Anyway, so that's that's all the stuff. Uh, all the links are in the show notes. Um, Brendan did a great job revamping our website. So like it's really neatly organized. All the links to our Twitter, which is also into the cast, our Instagram, which has all the episode art, all that's available. Thank you, as always, to all our generous patrons. You know who you are. Uh, name is in the show notes as well. 
And yeah, that's that's basically it. I, um, I just want to mention that website that you were just talking about is intothecast.online uh, is, mm. is how you get there. Um, and if you're new, if you're a new listener to the show, all the links to everywhere you can subscribe to the show is there, but you're already listening to it. So I imagine you've already subscribed. But there's also all the links to all the, all of our social channels. So Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, all that stuff, um, along with the Patreon. At the bottom of that, uh, if you're a new listener, and this is maybe the first episode you've listened to or something like that, or maybe you're recent or something, um, at the bottom of that website, there's a link that says Demo Disc. If you click on that, there's um, kind of a playlist that we just put together recently, or we had an old one and we just redid it. That's like um, a, an introduction to Into the Aether, just kind of like a bunch of episodes in order that we think uh, you should listen to if you want kind of like a, a more bite-sized taste. I mean, it ends with a 10-hour episode, so maybe not bite-sized, but um, <laughs> just like a taste of what the show is all about. Um, I, I think it's like yeah. five episodes that kind of represent what this show is all about, which like, just to be clear, we talk about games that we love every week um that's it yeah but I think we, we I think we chose like what represents our usual vibe and the games that we really love um, yeah. and episodes that have kind of stretched the fabric of the show out a bit mm-hmm. um, uh, evidence being the 10 hour games of the decade episode also we, we cite that episode a lot it's worth noting we recorded that it's basically as if we just put eight episodes together like we recorded it over time yes the the longest episode we recorded in one session was the last of us part two which you can tell because we're all like by the end of it <laughs> um but yeah um i think we might uh probably share the new demo as well because i i I really like the the, and you know we've been doing over 100 episodes now so if it's daunting to look at all this i think it might be a good more bite-sized way to it's a good starting point unfortunately it's only available on spotify because uh, that's the yeah. that's the only platform that allows you to make playlists of podcast episodes currently. Um, but if that ever gets like introduced in any way, shape or form on another platform, I'll recreate it there as well and have a link for that. And it's also cool. just worth noting on top of all of this is like the, the Patreon's whole shtick is that um, if anyone at all backs the Patreon, we'll make bonus episodes every month. Um, we are, I think we'll, we'll see timing wise, but I think um, the, probably the next episode that'll come out after this one will be our bonus episode episode, uh, which we talked about a little bit last week, but that's going to that's an episode that we have already recorded with Chris Plant, who's the editor in chief of Polygon.com and does a million other things that are all great, um, who joined us to talk about Spelunky and Near Automata. Um, I just wanted to mention because last week we did like a call for questions for that episode. Um, I just wanted to mention like that episode is going to be split up into some chunks. I mean, it's all going to be released as one thing, but it's split up into segments. The first one being about Spelunky, which like anyone can listen to. And then we also have a segment about Near Automata that is like for people who haven't played it. It's just like a pitch by the three of us saying like, hey, if you haven't played this, please go check it out. Um, so if you're a person who hasn't played either of those games, I still think that episode is going to be very accessible. Yeah. And uh, then there's a full deep dive spoiler section into Nier Automata <laughs> that gets, it goes some places. Um, I'm, I'm really excited yeah. for everybody to hear it. Uh, but that was yeah, a really was a fun, fun episode to record. Yeah, it was it was, it was a cool time. Um, yeah. So that'll be available soon. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's it for like end of episode housekeeping stuff. Just like so grateful for everybody who's listening to the show. Um, it's really cool to see it like getting shared around more and see new people joining the Discord and things like that. Oh yeah, the Discord link is also on Into the Cast Online now. We used to send people to two different websites. Um, you can just go to Into the Cast Online. The Discord link is there as well. So pretty much everything you need is there. Yeah. Wow. Cool. That's it for me. How about you? That's it for me. Take me to the next realm, please. <laughs> Give me your obol and I'll take you. Stella, can you make me a grilled herring and take me to the afterlife, please? <laughs> uh, my name name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley i'm steven hilger you can find me at steven hilger have a wonderful week have a great week everyone goodbye bye
WG, the worst garbage dot online.